A horrific shooting in Nashville leaves three little kids and three adults dead. The victims were students and teachers at a Christian school. The shooter was a 28-year-old woman who identified as a transgender man. We don't know much about the shooter's motives, but that has not stopped people, particularly liberals, from reading from their perennial script to blame guns and the Second Amendment for the evil actions of criminals. More information is coming to light by the hour, and we will get into a lot of it today. But even if we didn't know anything at all about this shooter, we would know that the fault could not lie with the Second Amendment and guns, guns which have been around for about a thousand years. Guns have become more lethal since the 11th century when they were invented. There's no question about that. But guns actually have not become all that much more lethal. They have not changed all that much over the past century. Machine guns were invented in the 1880s. The Tommy gun was invented in 1918. Those guns are much deadlier than anything ordinary civilians can get their hands on today. No, over the past 100 years, guns have not changed much at all. Our conceptions of mental health, on the other hand, and spiritual reality and political institutions have all transformed almost beyond recognition. But very few people in power are willing to admit that. It's much easier to point fingers implausibly at the NRA or whatever. Much easier and much more dangerous. Our reckless and negligent rulers get off the hook The root causes of our social rot remain unaddressed, and we all just wait for the next predictable tragedy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We have a lot to get to, a lot of viral video reaction of all of these social ills that we're talking about, the uh, isolation, the the collapse of the family and the political order, and of course this gender issue, that this this uh, social mania that it, that is being encouraged by some of the most powerful people in the country. First, though, what do we know about this shooting? Uh, the the police chief came out yesterday, some hours after the shooting, which is right here. I mean, we Daily Wire is in Nashville. Nashville's not a very big town. And so, obviously, we were tracking this very, very closely here. Here's what the police chief had to say. Our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades, but we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, ident- identify as transgender, yes. And no motive at this point? Uh, anything discovered in the apartment or house? No, we have a manifesto. We have some writings that we're going over uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. We have a map drawn out of how this was all going to take place. Uh, there's right now a theory of that's, that we may be able to talk about later, but it's not confirmed. And so we'll, we'll put that out as soon as we can. Hey, Chief, is there any reason to believe that how she identifies I'm sorry, I knocked someone's mic over. I didn't hear you say that again, sir. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is 
has any motive for targeting the school? I, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. So th th there you have it. You never want to jump to conclusions in any of these tragedies. There's so many, especially the libs, but, but everybody feels some impulse to uh, react to any tragic political event and impose their political vision on it. So the libs always do this with the guns, totally implausibly. And uh, But the conservatives here, when they heard that it, it was a woman or was it a man or it was this name or it was that name, Daily Wire has a rule generally, which is we don't name shooters in these situations because we don't want to give them glory and we don't want to encourage others. Uh, there is an exception to that rule in this case because the name and the way that naming works is actually a central part of this story. When the news first broke, we were told it was a young woman. Then we were told it was a young man. Then we were told that it was a person named Audrey. Then we were told it was a person named Aiden. And it became clear very, very quickly that this is a transgender identifying person. So what does a transgender identifying person mean? Does that mean a man who's pretending to be a woman? Does that mean a woman pretending to be a man? Does that mean a woman who's pumped full of testosterone? Does that mean a woman who just says that she's, we just, we just didn't know. It's, it's now become clear that obviously this person had lots of identity problems. And the police chief is saying, yes, one of the theories here that we're pursuing that seems quite plausible, if not likely, is that transgender identity was a motivating factor here. So, so the police chief then goes on for what we know. We know that they're this was targeted at this Christian school. We know that this person attended the Christian school, but must have attended that Christian school like 20 years ago. She's 28 years old. What else do we know? So was this a targeted attack? It was. Do we know about a history of mental gender man or woman? Don't know any history of mental illness uh, at this time. But Put we a pause right there. At that. Uh, we're not allowed to say anything on YouTube anymore. Let, let's just recount what what the police chief said. The police chief said, this is a woman who thinks that she's a man, followed by, yeah, we have no evidence of mental illness at this time. Hmm. Not quite sure how to make sense of those two statements next to one another. Keep going. The investigation is ongoing, and I'm sorry. She identifies a transgender man or woman? Uh, it's a woman. Was it the only school that was targeted? Put a pause there. I, I assume the police chief just being an, a normal person just misspoke here because this issue is so preposterous. But the question was, is this a transgender man or a transgender woman? And what's confusing about this statement is if, if you're a transgender man, that means you're really a woman. And if you're a transgender, transgender woman, that means you're really a man. So he answered and he said, uh, this person identifies as a transgender woman, which would mean that she's really a man. But uh, it would appear from all the available evidence, no, she's really a woman who, who identified as a man. Keep going. It was the only school that was targeted. Uh, there was another location that was mentioned, uh, but because of a uh, threat assessment by the suspect, uh, too much security, they decided not to. And that area was here in Nashville, so we're continuing with that investigation as well. So th this last part, not surprising at all, these, these would-be shooters always look for soft targets. So if there's a location where people are armed, where there's a reasonable expectation that people might be armed, where there's professional security, they, 
you're just not going to look at those places if you're attempting to commit one of these atrocities. So there was another location. There's a manifesto. We don't have any of that yet. We'll stay tuned. What are the common threads here? People, people are saying this is so unusual because the shooters are usually these lonely white guys, school shooters. And it's a little more complicated than that if you include gang-related school shootings. or if you, but, but there are common threads here. And, and I, I never really thought the common threads are it's white people or it's boys or it's the, this or it's that. What are the common threads? History of mental illness, common threads are social isolation, common threads are uh, psychiatric drugs in many cases, not in all cases, obviously, but in many cases. The common threads are broken families. We don't know anything about this woman's family now. Maybe this woman's family is totally fine. We just don't know. And this happens again and again and again. This happened not that long ago. A Colorado, also transgender identifying teenager, uh, shot up a Denver area charter school uh, pretty recently, left one student dead and eight others wounded. And the, the curious timing of this attack is that it coincides within a few days of a planned national event called the Trans Day of Vengeance. According to a national group contacted at Our Rights DC, April 1st will be the Trans Day of Vengeance to stop the trans genocide, allegedly. What is the trans genocide? A hallucination of people who don't have a very good grip on reality. What is the trans genocide, quote unquote? The trans genocide is a fable made up by disturbed people to justify violence against conservatives and Christians and normal people who understand that men and women are different and don't think that we should let men enter into the women's locker room and strip down naked. So the Trans Day of Vengeance is supposed to take place in Washington, D.C., though uh, some of the people who are uh, supporting this have suggested that the Trans Day of Vengeance take place outside of Daily Wire headquarters take place in Nashville. Uh, the group is run not just by completely fringe lunatics. Well, they might also be fringe lunatics, but some of them have had mainstream jobs. The group is run in part by a former Democrat staffer, uh, Bo Bellotti, the trans national recruitment director. He's a former staffer for Virginia Democrats. Uh, they've raised money specifically for firearms training. They've called for direct action in Nashville. Trans Day of Vengeance. Not the Trans Day of Justice, not the day of justice for everybody. Justice is when you give to people that which they deserve. Vengeance is not that. Vengeance is when you personally take retribution for a, a personal slight, perceived or otherwise. And it reminds me of an old proverb that people variously attribute to all sorts of thinkers, and no one really seems to know where the proverb comes from, but it's a good one. That is, when you set out for vengeance... Dig two graves. Dig two graves. Dig a grave for the person you want to get vengeance on and dig a grave for yourself because that's how it's going to turn out. Certainly how it turned out yesterday. It's how it always turns out, though, in the long run. Because either the quest for vengeance to aggrieve, to, to get retribution for a slight, real or perceived, will 
either result in you being killed or being jailed, or it will result in the destruction of your soul. Because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So do not take vengeance. This is from Deuteronomy. This is from letter of St. Paul. Do not take vengeance. We want to take vengeance all the time. And we, we can't do that. We can't do that because it's very bad for our souls. It's very bad for society. We have a civil authority to exact justice. And people feel really justified in their own personal vengeance. And they feel really angry. Jeffrey Marsh, who is this uh, transgender identifying uh, social media person who, who speaks directly to children and asks little children to message him so they can talk about sex together. Jeffrey Marsh said that uh, transgender identifying people should be really angry. Channel that anger. Everybody should be really angry. You only hear this from disturbed people, generally on the left. If you are channeling your anger, not your sense of justice, not your political action to transform the civil authority to enact justice in a more perfect way. But if you're saying, we're going to go out there when you get vengeance, you're almost certainly on the wrong side of things. It's a line from my friend Andrew Clavin, who says that anger is the devil's cocaine. And it is. And it is. And what, what do we know about all of this? We don't know the specific drugs that this person may or may not have been on. We don't know the psychiatric help that this person may or may not, almost certainly did not receive. We do not know the nature of the person's family or community or hatred of Christianity, perhaps, if it's targeting a Christian school. We don't know any of that. We do know that this stuff is demonic. We do know that because we strive against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And when ideas pervade the culture that convince you to deny reality and to pursue fantasy, and the deeper one to, that you pursue fantasy, the more angry you should become. And you will become because when we live according to lies, we become very frustrated because the reality doesn't match up with what's in our minds. That is demonic. That's all, that's all that is. Speaking of political violence, a lot, lot more of it, even outside of Nashville. Uh, a staffer for Rand Paul was stabbed and almost killed in broad daylight in Washington, D.C. This after Rand Paul was stabbed and almost killed at his home by his neighbor. Uh, the Metro Police Department said that the Rand Paul staffer, an adult male, was stabbed multiple times and treated at a hospital for life-threatening injuries. Court documents show the victim told the detective at the hospital he didn't know the suspect and did not, uh, did not have any demands made of him before the attack. We have been told relentlessly for the past three years that the American left is under assault and the American left is representative of our sacred democracy, the temples of which have been under attack by the right-wing terrorists. And yet when I, when I think of the political violence in recent years, I'm not saying all of it comes from the left, but the vast, vast majority of it comes from the left. And of all the mainstream political violence, all of it comes from the left. Virtually all of it comes from the left. When I think of the attack on Rand Paul, when I think of Steve Scalise almost being killed, I think Rand Paul was at that game too. 
when I when I think of the attack now on this staffer, when I think of the near assassination of Brett Kavanaugh, when I think of the illegal protests outside the Supreme Court justices' houses, which were permitted and even encouraged by the ruling class in D.C., when I think of Hillary Clinton saying you can't be civil with Republicans, when I think of Maxine Waters saying that when you see Republicans in the street, you need to push back on them, you need to go to their homes where their children sleep and say you're not wanted here. When I think of Kamala Harris bailing criminals out of prison, the rioters from the George Floyd riots, and she raised money to bail them out of prison. When I think of staffers for Joe Biden doing the same thing, not bailing out peaceful protesters, bailing out the criminals. And on and on, I think of Ted Cruz getting chased out of restaurants. I think... I think of Chuck Schumer standing outside the Supreme Court saying, we're coming for you, Brett Kavanaugh. We're coming for you, Justice Gorsuch. That's when you're going to feel the wrath. That's, that's, what I, that's what I think of. It's almost all from the left. And why do I bring this up? Not just to hit the left, not just to uh, put a mirror up to the left and show them the, the wickedness that is the consequence of, of their ideas, not just their ideas about how to govern one policy or another, but their broader political ideas that, that uh, normalize and encourage vengeance and violence and incoherence and unreality. But, but then I bring it up because very often we can deceive ourselves. We are constantly deceived because the imagination of man's heart is evil from the beginning. And so we, we, it is very often in the moments of what we perceive to be our most righteous indignation that we are most liable to go wrong. The people who are behind the trans day of vengeance, the people who are encouraging this kind of political violence, I am certain that they are convinced in their, they've convinced themselves that they are totally justified in anything that they do. They've convinced themselves that right-wingers are trying to commit a genocide against them. They're basing that on nothing. They're basing that on either lies from the media or their own, or their own fantasies, a fever dream that they had based on absolutely no reality whatsoever. But they've convinced themselves of that. And they're, they're, they feel that righteous anger. And the devil just loves that. The devil just loves that delusion. When I was thinking about how to cover this story today, especially that it's so close to home, Nashville's a very small town. Everybody knows everybody. I, I I know uh, we were having some discussions about, you know, wh- what one is feeling. And I said, I know you're probably feeling righteous indignation. I said, I'm not feeling righteous indignation, exactly. I mean, I get, I'm, it's, I'm terribly sad. I'm furious at injustice. But I, I, I it, it was all just so predictable. It's all just so predictable. I guess that's where my sort of resignation comes in on all of this. Because what's going to happen now is the libs are going to talk about guns for a little bit. That's probably not going to go anywhere. They're going to try to ignore all all of the inconvenient facts about this shooting. Then they'll move on and they'll find a more convenient shooting. And then they'll talk about guns again. Guns have nothing to do with this, have absolutely nothing to do with this. Guns have not changed one bit in the last century. You know what? how guns have changed? The, the design of some of the rifles have changed a little bit. The, maybe some of the rifles are even a little bit easier to use now. But the lethality of, of weapons has not changed at all. It's, in fact, the most lethal weapons are harder to get now. When gangsters were using Tommy guns back in the early 20th century, that was a hell of a lot more lethal than whatever rifle you can go buy at Walmart today. The guns have not really changed. They certainly haven't become all that much more dangerous, if at all. What has changed is 
the fact that we call insanity sanity, and we call truth falsehood, and we call good evil, and we call beauty ugliness, and we deny our political institutions, we call our political institutions rotten. We say that they shouldn't serve the common good. They should serve private factions and private interest. We say that the fundamental political institution is not real, but is totally socially constructed. We can redefine it into whatever we want. We say that there's no such thing as, as heaven or hell. There's no such thing as God. There's no ultimate meaning in society. Human beings are not for anything in particular. Is it any wonder that people go crazy? Speaking of DC politics, back to the 2024 campaign. President Trump has just announced, at least a surrogate for President Trump has anonymously announced, that he will blacklist anyone who works for Ron DeSantis. This is being reported by Rickler Politics, which is right wing, it's center right at least. Uh, They've said that anyone who has worked on tour to promote the governor's new Number one best-selling book, The Courage to Be Free, Florida's Blueprint for America's Revival, or who works on any potential presidential campaign, as Ron DeSantis is already obviously running for president, uh, will not be able to work for Trump's campaign or in the Trump White House. The source close to Trump said anonymously, it's a time for choosing. If you work for Ron DeSantis' presidential race, you will not work for the Trump campaign or in the Trump White House. Uh, Trump has to put this pressure on right now because this has become, at least for now, a two-man race. The original play and the original operating strategy was that Trump would announce that would clear the field. He would be the nominee. They'd move on. When it started to look dubious that that would happen, you saw Trump move up the moment of his announcement to now two years before the race. That still did not discourage people from running Nikki Haley announced she would run. Vivek Ramaswamy announced she would run. Tim Scott's making noises. Mike Pence is making noises. Uh, a number of other people are making noises. And obviously, Ron DeSantis is, is the number two candidate. So Trump has to threaten to blackball these people because if he can kneecap Ron DeSantis, then he, for all intents and purposes, has the nomination. And he has to show consequences for disloyalty. That, that's what he's riding on. I told you yesterday, I think that right now, Trump is far and away the favorite to win the nomination. Now, it's not to say DeSantis couldn't win the nomination, but right now, even with all of the support that DeSantis is getting, Trump remains in the lead. And he's been bolstered by, one, his trip to East Palestine, Ohio, that reminded people of a difference between Trump and the other candidates, which is Trump does really well on the trail with ordinary people. Trump does really, really well talking about Rust Belt issues. He has in the field a unique credibility on those issues. And then, two, the fact that the libs are trying to arrest Trump has helped him. It's helped him in the polls. Even the Democrats admit it's helped him in the polls. It's distinguished him from the rest of the field as well, where Rightly or wrongly, many Republicans have concluded, okay, if the libs want to arrest this guy, if the libs are so hell-bent on this guy not running for president again, he must be our guy. And so he's feeling, he's feeling emboldened. And even liberals now, even the liberal news media are turning on the Bragg case, this New York DA's potential indictment of Trump, because they're seeing what it's doing to the poll numbers. 
As we just heard, all eyes are on the Manhattan DA this week, but the case seems to hinge on a legal theory that's never really been used in New York. How risky is this? Look, it's risky for a number of reasons. The, the new theory is in getting it from the misdemeanor to the felony. They're kind of jerry-rigging it to some degree. And, and the reason that uh, that's novel and it's difficult, it hasn't been quite done exactly in this way before, but there's also another factor here, which is this isn't just a misdemeanor case that they're trying to get into a felony. It's also a seven-year-old case. It's also a case that two other sets of prosecutors, the previous DA and the federal prosecutors, decided not to move forward with. So, you know, when people say to me sometimes, well, if this had been me, I would have been prosecuted for sure. My response is, if this had been you, I don't know that seven years later they would have revisited this misdemeanor and tried to turn it into a felony. So it is a challenging legal theory. They may be able to do it, but, but there are problems here. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Abrams of ABC, for saying what the conservatives have known from the very beginning and that the liberal media were trying to straight face deny, which is this case is absurd. They are trying to jerry-rig a seven-year-old, maybe misdemeanor, and turn that into a presidential campaign denying felony all those years later. Uh, by the way, I don't think it's even a misdemeanor. I think even that would probably fail in court. But Dan Abrams is saying, look, they're, they're jerry-rigging this thing. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. So why are the liberal media turning on this? This is network news. This is a major network news anchor on ABC. Why? I suspect it's because the liberal media are watching the polls. They can, ah, shoot. We were Wiley Coyote, man. We had that roadrunner. We were so close. The walls were closing in on Trump. We had him now. We had him now. And what happened? The second we almost got him, his poll numbers went up. Shoot. Abort. Abort. Get it. Stop it. Alvin Bragg, get, get down. What are you doing? Idiot, you're helping Trump win. So now Trump is emboldened. He hits the campaign trail for some of his first real big campaign rallies since he announced. And who's he going after? You know who he's going after. He's going after DeSantis. I'm a loyalist. And, and when a man comes to me, tears in his eyes, he's at almost nothing in the polls. And he's fighting somebody that's at 42, and he's got almost $30 million in the bank. He's at almost nothing. He's got no cash. And I said, I can't give you an endorsement. There's no way you can win. You're dead. But he fought a little bit, like 150. He was certainly no Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. He fought a little bit, just a little bit, on impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, meaning on television, because I didn't know him very well. But I saw him, so he came, and he really wanted... I said, you can't win, can you? How do you can win? Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me. And I said, all right, let's give it a shot. Because honestly, the Secretary of Agriculture, Adam Putnam, good man, but I never met him. I didn't know him. So I don't feel guilty about it. You know, if you don't know somebody. I wish I knew him, actually. You want to know the truth? I wouldn't have done this. I wish I knew him now. Man, I would have endorsed that guy. Knowing now that DeSantis is running against me. A lot of people are saying, can't Trump lay off DeSantis? Can't, why can't Trump lay off DeSantis? This is ridiculous. He should just focus on Biden. He's got to lay off DeSantis. No, he can't lay off DeSantis. They're running against each other 
for the presidential nomination. It's not, it's no knock on DeSantis. It's just they're running against each other. I know DeSantis hasn't declared, but he's obviously running for president. And so you, you say, well, DeSantis is taking the high road almost entirely. He's, he's ignoring Trump's attacks. Yeah, that's his strategy. That's how he's going to beat Trump. And Trump's strategy is to relentlessly attack DeSantis. That's how he's going to beat DeSantis. That's politics. Yeah, that's what they have. They're running against each other. Only one of them is going to get the nomination. It's a lesson to, putting aside Trump and DeSantis and even the 2024 race for a second, it's a lesson to be careful who you help in politics. <laughs> you got to make sure they're on your team, man, because if you make him, if you, if you make a person a little too strong and then that person decides to challenge you at a certain point, you're going to have basically nobody to blame but yourself for helping him. This was an issue with Jeb, Jeb and Marco Rubio in 2016. Jeb helped make Marco Rubio. <laughs> Rubio ran against Jeb. Jeb was very upset. Jeb said, this is disloyal. And Jeb finally started attacking Marco Rubio, but it didn't work because he's Jeb. And so Marco t- turns to Jeb and he says, you're, you're only attacking me now because someone convinced you that the only way to help yourself is to attack me, but it looks ridiculous, man. Come on, you helped make me and now I'm going to come up. That's, that's the same dynamic that's at play here in 2024. Now, my favorite comment yesterday is from Cool Papa J Magic, who says, Cool Papa J Magic, by the way, has appeared on the favorite comments many, many times. And he said, what the conservatives need to realize is that we've already lost. We are not trying to save, we're trying to recapture. We have to remoralize our great men of the West. That's true. We're not exactly preserving. I mean, there's some things we're still preserving, but no, we're trying to recover something. We're on, we're on a mission of recovery right now. And uh, the sooner we get that thinking into our head, the, uh, the sooner we'll, we'll have a vision uh, and the courage to pursue that vision to reclaim our cultural inheritance. Okay, the video is going viral. Many of such videos going viral of a trans man, which is to say a woman, uh, complaining that she is being misgendered. And and usually when we see these videos and conservatives play these videos all the time, we just kind of make fun of the people and we say, oh, you know, come on, wah, 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 you know, yeah, no one's calling you by this fantasy, wah, 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 wah. That actually wasn't my reaction. Maybe it's because this is a woman who's pretending to be a man. That wasn't my reaction first time I saw this video. Being trans is so hard and so exhausting. Like I have been misgendered all day. Every single interaction, conversation, everything just misgendered from the beginning day to now. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of correcting people who won't listen. I'm and I'm sick of people not seeing me. I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. And then I'm like, oh well, if I went on tea, this would never happen. But I want. I just want people to believe that trans people exist and to look at me and think for a split second, like, oh, maybe they don't want to be called a lady. Maybe, maybe that's. So uh, this one is, some of the videos are funny. Some of the videos with these really over the top flamboyant people making a big spectacle of themselves saying, why it's ma'am. What do you mean? I'm a six foot four dude, but you didn't call me ma'am. Actually, it's ma'am. And that's kind of funny. This one's not funny to me. This, this woman, at the end, she pulls down her shirt 
and she's got these gash marks where her breasts used to be, where some lunatic quack doctor chopped off her healthy organs. And this woman's crying. She says, no, one. they just don't, they just misgender me. They won't gender me correct. And the only choice I have is to go on testosterone. And then you see the desperation in her voice. She says, I don't want to go on testosterone. I and of course she doesn't want to go on testosterone. Testosterone, I, I interviewed Helena Kirshner, a detransitioner, woman to man to, well, woman to appearing more like a man to recognize that she's a woman again. And she said when she was on testosterone, she became very aggressive. She, she was impelled to violence. And she said, thankfully, I turned the violence on myself. I didn't turn the violence on other people, but I turned it on myself. She was cutting herself and all, all sorts of crazy. You can see the interview. It's on my YouTube channel. And so the testosterone has, obviously, if you, if you inject a woman with a lot of testosterone, it's going to have all sorts of crazy effects. And so this woman says, I don't want to go on that. I don't, but I just, why won't people call me a man? I just want to become a, and, and so I, I watch a video like that. I think I can't laugh at that. I can't laugh at that any more than I would laugh at a, at a schizophrenic who came up and said, I, why won't people acknowledge the voices? There are, their voices are everywhere and they're so loud and I can't. You, we've, all, we've all seen videos like that. Some of us maybe even have known people who have had schizophrenia. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't say, ha ha, there aren't really voices there, ha ha ha. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's in a really dark way, in a really dark comedy, that might be a punchline, but this is reality. This is reality and these people are suffering from intense delusion. Delusion that's obviously so painful and intense that they're mutilating their body. They're debating whether to inject themselves with effectively poison to totally rewire their psyches in an effort to appear more like the, the imagined sex that they want to be. And then they keep butting up against reality. Say, why won't people, I've done everything. I cut my body parts off. I, I'm considering injecting myself. Why, why won't people go along with my delusion? I'm sure that's terribly painful. And the responsibility for that pain lies with the fact of this fallen world. People just have problems. Suffering is part of life. And a lot of that pain lies with the teachers who indulge this, the supposed friends who indulge this, certainly the doctors who and the quacks who indulge this, they are responsible for that. When you affirm people in lies and then the people become very angry and depressed because the lies they have been told and affirmed in don't correspond with reality, the liars bear a lot of that responsibility. It's not, the, it's not the people who told them the truth that bear that responsibility. It's the liars who bear that responsibility. And those liars have a lot of power. You can't blame that, that woman. Joe Biden's telling her that she's a man. But she knows she's not a man deep down because she lives in reality. And her, her imagination has to butt up against reality as she makes it through her day. Her teachers told her she was a man, I'm sure. Her whole community did. I know the teachers are saying this stuff because the teachers now are crying when Republican governors and legislatures say that you can't teach this stuff in schools, that you're not allowed to have gay porn, like actual gay transgender porn in schools. And the teachers are whining and crying about this, like this Texas teacher. If you've been living under a bubble, then let me tell you, the right is trying to destroy public education. You might watch a video like this and you're like, this person's not smart at all. Wow. No, they know what they're doing. I'm not bashing all charter schools, but charter schools are a place where problematic things can happen. Let me share an experience from a charter school I interviewed at in Texas where, no, I did not take the job. 
I interviewed for a school librarian position. I was really excited because I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go back to teaching this year after having my daughter. I was told that the board hand selects every single book that goes into the library and you cannot put a single book into the library without the board's approval. So I straight up asked, can I teach a book with a gay couple in it? And they were like, oh, if it's not explicit, that means no. That hmm. is an example of what people like put, this. Put a pause there. Hold on. So I didn't know what the answer to that would be. And I don't know what the answer should be. Should it, I guess it maybe depends on the the age of the students, but do you do you think that in a in a third grade classroom, students should be taught about these divergent lifestyles? I don't think so. Shouldn't children be taught men are men, women are women, marriage is the union between a man and a woman. That's what marriage does mean, necessarily means, and always has meant. And certain people live in eccentric ways, but this is not what we're going to tell you is normal and desirable. Isn't, uh, that's what education always was until like this year. So I don't know. May, now maybe in high school or something, 11th or 12th grade, you, you could see a book where, where one says, okay, well, and actually this is this kind of alternative arrangement. Here's this alternative arrangement. Here's this, that, and the other thing. But but even regardless, let's say that there's a school district that says, no, we want to teach about gay relationships in the third grade. At the very least, there should be some oversight of that. At the very least, that should be up to the parents and the community in a self-governing society rather than just one really passionate activist teacher right? Even if you're totally in favor of teaching kindergartners about gay relationships or transgenderism for that matter, what the, what the teacher is complaining about here is not what's being censored or not being censored because she said the, the board is allowing the, the gay stuff to be taught in schools as long as it's not pornographic. Uh, what she's complaining about is any oversight at all. And what people on the right want to do with public education. And remember, charter schools like that one that I just described are all government funded. We are paying for that school to exist. Yeah, it's, well, it's not government funded because the government is you funded. <laughs> so it's the, it's the government taking money from people and then spending that money in the way that the people desire, at least some of the time. And the people, through their elected representatives, are voting for school choice because they don't want to be locked into these cartels where teacher unions get to milk the people and the people have no say over how the money's spent or how their kids are educated. So if the schools are failing, the parents are going to say, nope, we're pulling our kid out of there. We don't want our kid being taught gay porn in the third grade. So we're going to pull that, te- that, that student out and put him in this charter school that will give our, our student a shot at a great education. And this is especially true for people who are, who are middle class and lower class. Because the wealthy people always get to send their kids to whatever schools they want. And the upper class and the middle class can usually homeschool if they want. But if you're making not a lot of money and you're in a place with not a lot of educational options, then your only ticket out is school choice. And the teacher says, that's really awful because it's, it's government money. No, honey, it's people money. And we have self-government in the United States. And the libs always talk about power to the people until the people don't want to go along with their programs. We see all these things on TikTok. But we might not see these things on TikTok for very long because <laughs> the Republicans might ban TikTok and the Democrats might go along with that 
as well. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy announced on Sunday that lawmakers would advance legislation proposing a nationwide ban on TikTok. So not just on government devices, but for everybody, which is fine by me. I don't use TikTok. I looked at TikTok. There was one time when Elisa and I downloaded it because we wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And we're just sitting there, just, it was like crack. We're just sort of scrolling, like, what recipe is this? And why is everybody dancing? And uh, what is this? There's no home screen, you know, so you're totally, and then we we pulled out, we said, we got to get rid of this app. This is terrible. So I have a TikTok that is managed by the Daily Wire, but I don't, I don't look at it. So it's fine. You can ban it for all I care. I don't really mind. But my, my trepidation here is, what about Facebook and YouTube and Google? And what about all these other guys? I, I get it that TikTok is Chinese and we don't want our foes overseas to have some, some uh, ability to propagandize to us. But I don't know. TikTok isn't the main culprit of banning Donald Trump, the duly elected sitting president when he was in office. TikTok wasn't the, the main culprit of preventing the spread of the Hunter Biden laptop story just days before the presidential election. No, I... When, when a piece of legislation has bipartisan support, usually that means it's pretty bad. <laughs> we always think that means it's really good. No, it means it's, I think it's pretty bad, actually, because the Democrats get to tighten their grip on the control of information around the country, and the Republicans get to saber rattle against China. But is, is the American interest really being served by banning TikTok? Maybe, maybe not. Not totally concerned. Speaking of China, you know, China engaged in a policy for decades to reduce the number of people or to slow the, to slow the growth rate, but actually to try to decrease the number of people overall. And it was pretty heinous. It was called the one-child policy. Well, now every conservative's favorite liberal, Bill Maher, is pushing that policy on us. We're in the middle of a sixth extinction. We're losing so many species. Of, and yet there are people, and I think you're one of them, who wants us to have more babies. I don't get this, this, connect those dots for me, because I think the problem with the environment basically is too many people using too few resources, mm-hmm. and people being the assholes we are, we're selfish, and we're piggish, and we're sloppy, and we're going to use what we can while we're here. So how does more people solve this problem, which seems to me the number one problem? The number one problem, people. That's what the libs believe. That is what they, that's what they believe on environmentalism. That's what they, the, 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 it's what they believe on family planning policy. It's what they believe on political uh, stability. They, they think the problem is people. And I, the, those who promote the idea of overpopulation, which is preposterous. The, the predictions of overpopulation have just not come true. Uh, this was predicted in 1970 in a book by Paul Ehrlich called Population Bomb. He said within a decade, there will be mass starvation, mass famine. Uh, because of the growth of the population. We need to sterilize people. We need abortion. His policies were implemented in China and India to to disastrous effect. And then what happened? 50 years later, the world population has doubled. Malnutrition's at an all-time low. So it's it's not true. But I always wonder with these people who push over population, they say, the solution to all of our social ills is fewer people. My my thought is always, okay, you first. (laughs) You first. You you think people, we got to get rid of the people? Okay, you first. But I don't really mean that. I don't want these people to kill themselves. I can't help but notice, though, that all of their policies have this strange common commonality. 
They want abortion, which means killing people. They want mass contraception and contraception education, which means fewer people will be conceived. They want now the mass castration of large numbers of children and adults, but children too, through the transgender transition. That means fewer people. They want marriage to be redefined into oblivion, which means fewer people. They want environmental policies that impel or compel people to have fewer people. They want, they just, well, they tell you, they just don't really like people. That is an ideology. Leftism is an ideology of misanthropy. And what it redounds to ultimately is a kind of a suicide. This, I, I talked about this last week, actually, in, a, in my speech at Purdue. The liberal project is a project of liberation, liberation from all constraints, social norms, the moral order, the political order, now uh, the, the fundamental political institutions like marriage, now even liberation from the self, which is what the transgender transition is. The transgender transition is a, a ritual suicide through which the transitioning person figuratively kills himself and then refers to himself as a dead name, literally as a dead name, and pretends that he is a new person now who has been liberated from the constraints of the self. But one cannot be liberated from the constraints even of oneself. And so what does this redound to? It redounds to a figurative suicide, often a, a literal suicide. The very same people who are pushing all of these policies are pushing for assisted suicide. For the elderly to begin and then for the mentally ill and for the mentally deficient and for the depressed people. and for, It's a suicidal ideology. Not, it's not a problem of guns. It's not a problem of self-defense. It's not a problem of any traditional aspect of our political order. It is a problem of an ideology that has steadily taken hold for a very, very long time now that redounds in a political, spiritual, and personal death. On that bleak note, we will be moving into the member block, the Nostradamus Membrum Segmentum. We will be examining some movies that Mr. Davies insists that I check out. The rest of the show continues now. You don't want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.